This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey, Wild Souls, it's Linz back with another episode of Tarot for the Wild Soul. Um, always a gift and a delight to get to connect with you in this way. Um, before we get to the meat of our Q&A today, and it is a good one, what we cover, um, I just want to remind everybody that Tarot for What Is, my new um, more advanced tarot course, is open for enrollment, and there is a special little website early bird that's going on right now that goes away on September 20th. So if you'd like to get it at a slightly discounted rate, now's the time. It's also exciting to announce that um, the recording, the audio, the material, um, the audiovisual material just got finished today. It was like the closest I've come to giving birth to a baby with all due respect to those who give birth to babies can't touch you in that area. <laughs> you win, you, it's incomparable and it's the closest non-baby thing that I think I've done. And it was just 20 hours of material is a lot of material to record, to move through, to, uh, I'm so proud of it and I'm so excited to get to share it. And the material goes live to all participants next Friday on the full moon in Pisces, Friday the 13th, very sacred day. Um, There's also going to be, I think, a really amazing episode of the podcast next week talking about a card that I've been asked for quite some time to cover and uh, I'll let you figure out what it is next week. But just a reminder that if you'd like to sign up for the course, you can go to tarotforwhatis.com. Enrollment is open indefinitely, but the price will go up. And if you're excited to get to dive into the material, um, it really is very beautiful. So if you feel called, you can check out syllabus, course info, pricing, everything um, by going to tarotforwhatis.com. And I think that's all I have in terms of announcements, and I'm just going to get right to it in terms of our questions for this week. So our first question, Allie asks, in the August Monthly Medicine podcast, you spoke a lot about putting all-inclusive and positive spins on cards that are typically seen as either negative or like they only have one limited meaning. In the three days of August, I pulled nine of swords not once but twice. It was both my card of the month and what I need to pay attention to. I know this card usually means negative thought patterns, anxiety, deeply rooted fears. How can I apply this card in a positive way? Ali, I love this question. It's part of why I picked it. (laughs) Um, I want to start out by saying that, yes, I have a huge, it is hugely important to me that tarot um, be as inclusive as possible because inclusivity matters and because we are capable as human beings of feeling so many different things. So if a card feels limited or um, in any way, you know, we want to be bringing our attention to that because ideally we want to go for holographic, right? We want to be able to hold all the different tones and shapes and shades of color. And um, I would say I don't so much look for the positive in the cards as I do for the useful. So when we think about, you know, 
Nine of Swords, because I am going to answer your question. <clears throat> Excuse me for clearing my throat. I've been talking a lot for the last few days. So my I have a teeny, teeny bit of lost voice. So forgive me for that. I'm not quite like radio ready today. Um, so useful. Um, you're right that uh, the where we've gone so far in overcultural perspectives with nine of swords has been negative thought patterns, anxiety, deeply rooted fears, sometimes insomnia. So I want to pull that thread apart a little bit, not because you're wrong, Ali, you're right that that is usually how people speak about nine of swords. Um, and I want to invite all of us into recentering that. So the tarot cannot, is not always able, like one thing that we want to get into the habit of with tarot is to disengage from the idea that tarot can report on anything. So what I mean by that is that you can pull nine of swords and not feel any of those symptoms, not feel um, like your brain chemistry is very wild, not feel any anxiety, not be uh, experiencing insomnia, not have any connection to fear at all, because the tarot doesn't always report. A lot of the, um, the descriptions of tarot are based on reporting. When we pull this card, X is going to happen. When we pull this card, we can expect Z. When we pull this card, we're going to feel A, B, or C, right? Not all the time, but enough to be having a conversation about it. So it's like as similar as someone telling you, you're going to feel this way. And who could know that, right? So we, we just want to always feel like we are empowered to pull threads on things and ask really constructive questions like, interesting, rooted fears, you know, is that true? Can I absolutely know it's true? And Ali, you're in a perfect position to do what I like to call field research on this card in that you pulled it. So you get to really, really study it. Like nine of swords being your card of the month is amazing. Not just because of the more, um, you know, evolved meaning that I'll share <clears throat> that really resonates for me, but also, my meaning that I will share can really only take you so far because the most important thing for you is to acknowledge how the card makes you feel and what you're picking up with it, right? Um, so it's not to negate anything that you shared. I mean, inclusivity and positivity are important to me. And um, I think that uh, for you, just so it's not so much about this is negative, this is positive. We can start really looking at, you know, all cards bring some kind of medicine and we can check in with that and see, you know, what exactly does this medicine feel like? And that's where good field study can come in. You know, you can reflect at the end of your month, like what did you move through? What did you not? How did it feel? How did it not feel? Okay, so... Essentially, what we're asking here is, can Nine of Swords be a gift, right? Can it be bringing us something that can be of service that isn't just a pain in the ass or a, or a tough time, right? And the answer is absolutely yes. Nine of Swords can 
like all cards, by the way, bring with it for you a certain weather system. It can bring with it some insomnia. It can bring with it invitations from the brain into fear. Um, it can bring with it some fear fantasy, some fear-based thinking. It can. It doesn't always have to. And it can absolutely bring forward some worst-case scenario thinking. And I know for myself, when I have some worst-case scenario thinking or some hypervigilant thinking, sometimes that's accompanied with fear and anxiety, and sometimes it's just more kind of like a low-grade hum of discomfort. So again, just being really just being really open to how this one feels for you. Um, usually when we pull nine of swords, we're experiencing a little touch of contraction, typically because the expansion of the 10 of swords is so powerful. What we're talking about in the 10 is really the birth of a new cycle. And But here's the thing about this, and this is why we want to focus on evolved meaning because basically while the nine of swords can bring, can bring invitations into worst case scenario thinking, all the things you said, what is not being covered is A, how that's not a problem and B, what we can do about it. So the brain inviting us into worst case scenario thinking, anxiety, et cetera, typically means that we're about ready to up level and expand. The brain will use whatever it can, whatever arsenal it can within your purview of thoughts and feelings. And like Tara Brock calls this, calls this kind of our top 10 hits, these things that <clears throat> come through us and that kind of stop us in our tracks. Like the brain kind of knows they'll work to get us hooked or triggered and sort of off the path. So this is a good sign. It's not just being like, positive for the sake of positivity. It actually is. It's, it's good discomfort and can be really good discomfort. But part of what we're invited to do in Nine of Swords, which makes it a gift, is we are called upon to investigate our thinking, which, by the way, shifts any existing fears that may be there into allies. Nine of Swords is a transformative gateway. It's a landscape card that can open up doors for us. It's really a threshold. Um, anytime we've kind of stared fear in the face, um, not of course in a way that feels too big to cope with or is too traumatic to be with on its own, of course, um, but anytime we've really had a thought or a story in the mind and we've thought, I'm going to flip on the light and I'm going to investigate this. Like you're telling me this person doesn't like me. I'm going to ask them. You're telling me that, you know, my asthma is actually a bigger problem. I'm going to go to a doctor and I'm going to ask them about that. We're basically, the, my teacher Michelle always says the brain really can behave very much like a predator and predators really want us alone. And so with nine of swords, we have an example of something, whether it be very overt or very, very small, where the brain kind of goes like, hey, come on over here. And like, let me isolate you and really bring you into some bullshit here, potentially, right? And then our job gets to be, no, I'm unavailable to be brought into this place of isolation with you. And if you're telling me that this person has a problem with me, and if there's no evidence for it that I can see, then I'm going to ask them. 
And then what we wind up having is, let's just say that you do have an interpersonal um, fear or, or quandary. If you ask the person, hey, maybe this seems out of left field, but my brain is inviting me into a lot of stuff about how you're upset with me. And I just wanted to check in with that. Is there any way that I can make amends if I have upset you? Um, and if not, I'd love to know um, that everything's okay. So here's how it's a win no matter what. If the person can't communicate and just like never texts you back, that's good information that maybe they're not the friend or the person that you want to keep carrying over with, or maybe they're communicating to you through not communicating. Either way, we can bow to that. That's good information. Secondly, if the person texts back and says, you know what, I actually am upset. This isn't proving that the brain was right. This is allowing us to step from a place of worry, which is draining and a leak on our system to a place of understanding, like, okay, we can survive that. Somebody being upset with us, we can ask, you know, may I have your consent to make amends? Do you feel safe enough to let me know what's happened? You know, how can I hold space for this and, and help to shift it? What would feel safest for you? And then the best case scenario possibly is somebody texting back and being like, fuck no, love you. Everything's good. I'm so glad you checked in like this. Everything's great. You tell your brain to shut up. <laughs> so Ali, no matter what, we have the ability to say to the brain, I don't accept your invitation into this. And even if someone was upset, even if, you know, whatever the worst case scenario is, completely survivable. So it is an immense gift because it connects us when we engage with Nine of Swords in a way that is evolved, holographic, inclusive, helpful, just helpful, growthful, and actually taking those meanings a step further and saying, okay, well, maybe, maybe Nine of Swords has to do with kind of brain chemistry whipping up. Then the question is with the tarot, and that's, this is really at the root of all of my work, what exactly do we do about it? Because the tarot isn't just always here to report. It doesn't do that very well. And in case I wasn't quite clear about that, what I mean by reporting is, um, this, yeah, I think I was pretty clear, but opening up and giving us permission again to be like, the sun card does not mean happy. You can feel any way you want in the sun card. You know what I mean? You could really not feel um, anything from three of swords. You could feel deep grief in 10 of cups and you could feel immense frustration and contraction in the empress, which is actually quite common. So we're basically... Um, with considering Nine of Swords as a gift, we're actually detaching from the old paradigm of us kind of being told what we're feeling and what something is rather than gifting us back our own autonomy here. And that's kind of what we're doing in tarot for what is too, is just really examining it and saying, you know, here were the old paradigms that all this stuff was based on. How do we break it and come back to a space of full hearted empowerment? So I am holding a space for you, Ali, of a lot of excitement here, because I think no matter how you feel in September, Nine of Swords is most certainly gracing your door with immense, like holding a real basket of treasures here, you know, you get to every time, and it could be like 
two times in the month, but they would be significant enough for you to bring your attention to. Anytime you go through an experience where the brain goes, what if this is going on? What about that? You're going to be called upon to basically get up out of the darkness of your, you know, in the traditional Smith Rider way, it's somebody who, you know, wakes from a nightmare, they're you know, face covers their eyes. They're just so upset. The lights are off. And this is a calling to say, I'm going to take my hands away from my eyes. I'm going to look out. I'm going to flick on a light, make a cup of tea, calm my nerves. And if the brain is telling me, you know, like some, something's going on, something could worry you. This is when we say, even if something is something to respond to, I'm not going to let the brain keep me in that particular purgatory. I'm going to step forward and I'm going to ask very clearly about what's true. And this is the way we begin to make fears our allies. Because most of us are pretty, um, you know, we're programmed pretty heavily into like a lot of worst case scenario stuff. Like I know my parents and my family were like so dramatic and extreme about things that were not at all dramatic or extreme. I'm positive I'm not alone in that. So with engaging with Nine of Swords this way, we actually get to reparent ourselves. So those are just some of the really beautiful things about this card. I, I really like Nine of Swords. I think it, the, I don't always enjoy the way the medicine goes down, like the taste of the medicine, but I always feel so different on the other side of it because it just calls me into so much fucking transformative empowerment. So, um, even the little things that happen this month, Allie, be willing to bring to it a sense of like, where am I being asked to investigate here? Ask questions and um, what does that investigation look like for me? So the second question is from Anonymous and they say, I find that I sometimes fear traditionally, quote, positive cards when I can't see how they fit into my life. The most recent example of this is the Two of Cups, which I've pulled three times in the last couple of months. The deck I'm using states that it signifies a harmonious new relationship coming into your life, possibly a friendship, but most likely romantic love. Because I'm married and not in an open relationship, I find myself cringing whenever I read the words new and romance in the guidebook. My gut reaction is, but I don't want a new romantic partner to come into my life. I feel like I'm too interested in the text that appears in the guidebook, which really emphasizes the appearance of a new lover in my life. And that's stopping me from seeing the card in any other way. I feel silly having such a negative and fearful reaction to a card that has such a positive message and that many people would probably be happy to pull. How can I move past this specific interpretation of the card so I can open up to the medicine it has to offer me instead of panicking about my relationship status every time it comes up? Anonymous, your question really leapt off the page to me because I agree with you. I think that this interpretation, I love the way that you're holding space for the possibility of it being like really welcome and very beautiful for some people. Um, but I actually have a really strong opinion about the meaning of this card. I think it isn't true, first of all, because I have my reasons for that, but I, I don't actually think it's the truth of what this card brings. And, and that's just for, that's just my opinion. But, um, part of the reason that I feel so strongly about the need to evolve 
this really old paradigm definition of like a new romantic partner is coming into your life is because if a tarot card doesn't include everybody, it's off track. It, if it doesn't include everybody, it doesn't include anybody. There are people in this world who like yourself are committed, who are, do not date, who are asexual, who have absolutely no connection to this area in their life anymore. And by affixing the meaning to this, again, very old, and I think pretty lazy, actually, paradigm of this card as being just sort of this like prophetic vision of a love coming into our life. We actually miss the meat and the marrow of what it really calls us into, which is um, uh, being connected essentially to a really powerful space of seeing inclusion and intimacy in some way, which I'll get into. So I want to really bow to your experience of being triggered, that sort of gut response of like, but I don't want this. What you're speaking to is exactly the reason why the need to evolve certain cards is way past due because you're living proof that if it doesn't apply to everyone, it doesn't apply to anyone. You don't feel seen and heard by this card. So we have a problem, right? And that's enough. So, um, and because without getting into it, the tarot is a very poor predictor, especially of romantic love. If two of cups could predict a lover coming into the life of the person who receives it, we really wouldn't have any more people walking around without relationships that really wanted them. Um, and although it is a very important step to either deepening a relationship with ourselves or someone else or welcoming in a relationship, it does not necessarily mean that we can expect anything because the tarot really also isn't predicated on anything external. And this might seem like it's kind of like Lindsay's rules, but this is really like the tarot telling me what it is. Because if we really look at it, like just super objectively, rather than consistently putting things on meanings without really questioning them or thinking about them, um, we can see very, very easily that it's super tricky <laughs> to, you know, super, it falls apart very, very quickly, um, to have, um, to have a scenario where we are basically, um, ascribing something that we don't really have any awareness of what's to come. I mean, I feel like if you're listening to this, you know, my feelings on it. Um, I'm trying not to get up on my soapbox cause I feel really strongly about it, but I am going to answer your question really directly. Okay. Moving past specific interpretations that get in there can take some time. So how you can move past this specific interpretation of the card, um, is just really bowing to the author of the guidebook and basically saying, thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much for this invitation. This does not match my truth. Thank you. And no, thank you. We're not, you know, I don't, I'm not, we're not here to hate on anyone unless they're really causing harm. 
And even then, we're not here to hate on them. <clears throat> we are just here to provide a really strong message of truth. And your truth is that this is not your interpretation. This is not something that you align with in your soul. And we're saying no thanks. And that's okay. So the way we move past it is slowly but surely, every time we pull it, there's kind of a recentering that happens where inevitably there will be a part of you that when you see two of cups will feel like you remember some of that. And you, every single time until you don't have to do it anymore, give it some time. It might take a little while, but you just say every time it comes up in one of your readings, or you see it or you think about it, you can just say thank you so, so much um, to all the people, all the paradigms, all the things that got us to the point where this is the interpretation I saw doesn't match my truth, but thank you again. And you just recenter and just say, it's not for me. Thanks, but no thanks. So the other way that you can do it, um, because your intention is to open up to the medicine it has to offer me instead of panicking, panicking about my relationship status every time it comes up. Um, this card has to do with you. So that's the other thing that pretty much any time a card in the in the tarot, um, we read anything about it being about another person, a relationship, a this, a that. I'm not here to say that it, the tarot cannot absolutely reflect the relationships in our lives, but the truth really is that we only have control and awareness over ourselves. So there, there is really, we can't go much further than that. So this card is about you. And the work you do in this card may, in fact, reflect on your love. And it also may not. So Two of Cups is a close cousin of the lovers. And they have very specific differences in terms of the way they feel. But if you hear me speak about Two of Cups in a moment, you may think, that's really similar to lovers and they are similar, but they are different in really crucial ways. So the lovers is really, and you didn't ask about the lovers, but I am going to start with that. The lovers is first of all, a major. So it's different. It's kind of this big sweeping evolutionary energy where we learn actually that what is outside of us, usually a beautiful, delicious, gorgeous thing. It could be, you know, a sunset, the face of a lover, the eyes of our child, that this thing that we may be thinking um, is so beautiful, that we may be attaching to, that we may be, you know, really longing for in some way, but is somehow feeling is separate from us. The lovers will come up to remind us, actually, that's you you're looking at. The face of the person that you're so in love with, that's you. The feet eyes of the person that you have a crush on. That's you. The, um, beautiful, you know, opportunity to like the mountains of Yosemite, what you're seeing in that you're seeing and you're getting, it's a mirror into yourself, the sunset, a million things. And the lovers isn't predicated on anything specific in terms of external, just like two of cups and the lovers really has nothing to do with romantic love. It can include romantic love, but even in romantic love, if you pull the lovers, you're actually hearing, stop making it all about your love. It's actually about you. You're looking at you in the eyes of this person that you're so attracted to. So even in the lovers, 
there's a turnaround to reclaim some aspect of our beauty, our magnificence that we tend to want to put out in another thing, you know, in another space. So the lovers is all about this really holy, sacred mirror that reflects back to us a part of ourselves that we may not fully be aware that we have and that we are being called into claim. So it's a, usually a pretty general thing, but it has to do with the thing that you're seeking um, or that you're longing for, that you're loving, or that you're just thinking is so beautiful, so distant from you, um, is really a mirror for yourself. So it's basically stepping forward with the understanding of that. Two of Cups is really about us looking in that mirror that's been established by the lovers and physically, literally embracing all, and I mean all, of the parts of ourselves that are present there, including and especially the parts of ourselves we don't particularly like. So Two of Cups is a way to create, it's essentially a marriage of the self, more than the lovers, way more. Um, the lovers is sort of a more general, it, it's potent medicine, the lovers, but it's um, different. Two of cups will come up in readings when we're thinking and feeling for ourselves. I would just, everything would be better if I had this. Everything would be better if my body was different in this way. Everything would be better if I didn't have this quality in myself. We there, it, the voice can start very, very small, but it usually it can come up when we are starting to feel like there's a part of ourselves, an aspect of ourselves, not something else. The lovers is very much, because it's ruled by Gemini, it's very much about us and then outside of us and then bringing that back in. That's the rhythm of Gemini. Two of Cups is completely solidified within us. It does not go out. Um, it can extend out, but it starts inside. So sometimes this card can come up when we're really having, I'm not necessarily saying that you are moving through this anonymous, but it is an invitation to observe. Are there any parts of us that we're being called into a, essentially a wedding with? What parts of ourselves are we being called to marry? What parts of ourselves do we kind of not want to be married to? What would we actually prefer to have separate from us? What are we, what are we disincluding from the whole essence of our being without realizing it? Are we judging something? Are we thinking that we'd be better off without a quality that we have to kind of improve on a quality? And, um, when we get two of cups in a reading, it's a calling into self to open up the arms and embrace ourselves, embrace those parts of ourselves that we'd prefer not be there actually. Um, it is really intense, but what it does and why it is connected with romantic love is that it is one of the deepest places of intimacy that we can go with ourselves to be able to say, this is the part of me that feels the most unlovable, that feels the most problematic, that feels the toughest, that brings me some of the most trouble and grief about myself how can I open my arms to it? That truly is where the divine marriage of self can happen. And in that, we open up 
to an entirely new level of intimacy in our other relationships. The more we can love, if I open my my arms to a part of Lindsay or a part of little Lindsay that feels really, really hard to love, whether I'm aware of it or not, by doing that and focusing on that, on that and seeing how I can continue to make space for that, I am, without realizing it, essentially casting a spell for my relationships to begin to match that intention. So if I have someone in my life who is not as loving to that part of myself, there will be a lot more clarity about how they may not be in alignment for me anymore. If, like, let's say um, there is somebody in my life who does love those parts of me, and I say, you're crazy, and I'm inadvertently pushing them away because I don't understand how I could be lovable, if I open up my arms to those parts of me, what I'm doing is actually fully accepting and beginning to receive the love that's present. It's part of the reason why we push people who really like us away because we can't understand why they'd want to be a part of this, (laughs) you know? So I won't, you know, say that two of cups has nothing to do with deep intimacy. It absolutely does because the more we open our arms to all parts of ourselves, even if it feels really hard, and even if we have some real strong feelings and opinions about how those parts of ourselves are kind of like mucking up the hole, if we can open our arms to them, we welcome in other people who have either been wanting to put their arms around these parts of us platonically or otherwise, and um, open up the possibility to new doorways with new people who are doing the same work themselves. So that marriage happens in a sense when we um, look into the eyes of us and embrace the parts that feel tougher to love. Um, And again, the biggest difference. They feel different lovers in two of cups. They really do. They feel super, super different. Two of cups is usually like when I pull it, and this is from my personal, like usually there's tears and I know immediately I'm like, Oh man, that's so right. Like I've been really beating up on myself here, here, here. And usually it's a very potent, palpable shift where there is an immediate inclusion and awareness around what part I've been kind of subconsciously casting out with lovers. It's way more esoteric, a lot more about like keeping the eyes open around us rather than outside of us paying attention. Like sometimes the lovers has nothing to do with other people, but can include other people. It's really not predicated on that, but it, it usually involves something outside of us, even if it's just like the world outside of us, right? Um, it doesn't predict that it will be a lover or not, but it does absolutely include the outside because Gemini, that's what we're doing. We're twinning. We're looking, um, and seeing, you know, what is my relationship to this twin and two of cups seems similar enough, but it's really all connected to us. So the more we bring an awareness to that invitation and, you know, anonymous, like, see how you feel about it. I'm not certainly not the end all be all for tarot. So you may receive this definition and think, well, it 
looks interesting, maybe and you can hang out with it a little bit. And maybe it could be that part of the reason why you had such a strong feeling about two of cups, this kind of old traditional definition not aligning with you um, is partially because there's one within you that's ready to be born, you know, one that's ready to be looked at. So I think both can be true that this definition may or may not resonate with you, it may provide the first foundation for you, and then you can step forward into what you know to be true. Um, so that's what I have to say to that. And I'm sorry, because I know that's hard. Um, the best advice that I can give you, especially if you have an investment in your guidebook, is to remember that a human being wrote that. This is, these, these are beautiful channeled medicinal offerings, but they come through people. And we forget sometimes that people can be um, very faulty filters. And even if this person is not a faulty, like let's say they are on it and their guidebook is absolutely beautiful, you are going to have definitions that they're going to share that are not resonant with you. And basically what we see from this, given that you've had this response to it, is that this per person probably learned from somebody, never questioned what they heard, was just like, well, this is what it is. We're not always looking, tracking, thinking about like, hmm, you know, it's only because I have the pleasure of teaching that I have the ability to follow up with people sometimes years later and say, you know, how did that make you feel? Or, you know, when I was a reader for many years, I had the ability to see people repeatedly and notice the kind of patterns that were coming up. It can take a while. So while this person, you, I, I don't want to encourage you to just drop the guidebook and say, fuck it, because if there's stuff in there that's helping you, then that's great. But if you keep having responses to the material that is being written there, I want to encourage you, this person is just as much worthy, is or rather is just as worthy of being questioned as anyone else. They don't have to be wrong in order for you to not, you, you're just welcome to not agree. And so the investment is wise to place in a, in a, tarot teacher, an author, a reader, when they've really earned it, bef before it has to pass your test, you know, and it didn't, and that's okay, it's just information, so what I would recommend too is like you can cross out that meaning and write in your own, and just really say, you know, thank you guidebook author, like this is as far as you went. <clears throat> um, I used a deck for many, many years, um, that has a really strong guidebook. And I remember like years ago, just um, seeing the descriptions of the emperor and one of the knights in this guidebook and just being really like, wow, these people who wrote this guidebook with all due respect to them, didn't really go to super far, <laughs> you know, in like exploring their own prejudices about these cards. And there's so much more than this. Um, but it's fine. I just didn't listen. You just, you don't have to listen. You don't need to have anything. They're, they're people. It's an invitation. If it's coming through the person and they haven't done their work, um, it's gonna, you're gonna feel it and it's all right. You can let people be people. And I guarantee you there's going to be stuff in five years. I hope 
that I will look back on and I'll think like, oh my God, thank the Lord I kept working on this. Thank God I kept growing because I sound like a jabroni, <laughs> you know, like ideally you keep growing and um, you're just all that to say, I really want to empower you to look at the author of this guidebook as remember that they're a person and that you don't need to take their word as law, your word as law. So hopefully that helps. Um, you have permission to not listen to a thing that someone tells you. It's just an invitation. This doesn't mean that you can't place your hope in anyone. You got you. Other people's interpretations can just help carve and pave the way toward what's what feels right and what doesn't. And this guidebook was such beautiful contrasted information for you about what did not work. And maybe what I've shared is like a teeny little affirmation of something. And maybe it also doesn't resonate and that's totally okay. Eventually you'll find your way with this card. Um, thanks for asking the question, Anonymous. It was a pleasure to serve both of you, you and Allie. Um, thank you so much for listening, Wild Souls. It was such a pleasure to get to connect with you around these beautiful questions. Um, and I will catch you next week for our larger lesson on a card i'm really excited to share this i don't think i've ever talked about this card in on the podcast and it's going to be a good one and until then take care of yourselves thank you so much for listening to tarot for the wild soul this podcast was edited by chase Voorhees. the podcast art is by chelsea iris granger and it is hosted by me Lindsay mack for more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.